Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for every person here that's hearing this message. I thank you you use my voice and my mind to convey what you want them to receive. And that, Father, even those who are online, the anointing travels and goes through that, that broadcast and reaches them right where they are, just as you do with all of us whenever we need you. And we thank you for that. We give glory to you for the, the fact that you care about your kids wherever they are. We want to lift up those families of of the victims um, in the shooting and the victims that survived. We, we just believe for peace for them, that you would send labors across their path that would bring the comfort of the Holy Spirit into manifestation, that they would have a word in season to minister and, and to encourage them through this atrocity. And Father, I thank you for those who are hurting because they've lost loved ones. I ask that your Holy Spirit would manifest and, and would, would give them comfort and peace beyond their understanding. And it would somehow be turned, this, this horrible thing would be turned and work for their good by drawing them closer to you in an intimate relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we're going to be better when we leave than when we got here. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, um, we're going to be ending our, our Easter series uh, from, from whom our hope comes from today. And I don't know about you, but I've been really encouraged because I know there's times in my life where I find myself waning a little in the hope department, and I, I, I'm able to locate why. This story I'm going to share with you today is one of my favorite ones in the Bible. I've asked God to help me stay on point because there's so much good in this story that I, I tend to run down those little rabbit holes to share, and uh, I don't want to take all day, so you guys be in agreement with me that God helps me stay on point, amen? I believe this story is going to help us have one of those aha moments. Have you ever had something where you, you, you know, you're interested in it, but you're just struggling to figure it out? You're like, ah, I just, I don't get it, you know? I, I'm struggling with this. And then all of a sudden, someone or something causes it to click. And you're like, oh, why haven't I seen it that way before? That makes so much sense. You know, maybe it was math in school. A lot of people with math, you know, they just don't get it. Uh, I know that we, I was talking to someone who's been a math tutor the other day, and, and they were talking about the way that you, you, you can tell when somebody gets it. It kind of clicks, and they're like, oh. And they're not in bondage to that anymore. They're, they're, they're able to pick it up and be, in strength, be strengthened by it and empowered by this new revelation that they have. I believe that today will be an opportunity for some of us to have an aha moment where we're going to see something that maybe we haven't seen before, and I believe God's going to show us that. Amen? There's an amazing story, and it, and it goes right back to Easter. I touched on it on Easter Sunday, but we're going to jump into it today and look at it and kind of unpack it a little bit more. And uh, to me, it's one of the most compelling examples of the heart of God towards his, his people, even when they're struggling, even when we're, we're, we're shaky in our faith and we're wondering, is this stuff real? Is this stuff for real? I mean, is it really real to me? Now, I don't know about you guys, maybe none of you have been there. I have in my, my journey, my, my road trip with Jesus. I've been there a few times where 
I just wonder, you know, why isn't it happening? Why am I not seeing what I'm expecting? Why is Jesus not doing what I think he should be doing? And at that moment in your life can be a fork in the road. You can either decide, ah, this isn't real, and you can turn and go the other way, or you can find some people who you can talk to. Now, I, when I first started going to church and understanding the power of the gospel, I was kind of, it, it was never said, but it was implied that if you ever have doubt, that's a weakness. You don't let people see your weakness. You don't never let them see you sweat type thing. So you kept it to yourself. Unfortunately, that doesn't help you with the struggle because you're just left to yourself and you're already struggling. So I want you to know that when you're in your, your, your road trip with Jesus and your, you know, the journey of life, if you will, and you come up against something that causes you to maybe take a step back and, and wonder, am, am I believing right? Is, is, this, is Jesus even real? There's nothing wrong with going to people and saying, hey, I'm struggling. It's, it's, it's not a weakness. It's actually a strength to be able to put your pride down and go to somebody and say, I need you to help me. I'm struggling with where I'm at in my faith. Now, you don't want to go to somebody who's mad at God and hates the world. You know, you don't want to go to them because they're not going to really help you. But people you know that have been going to church and, and you know that they serve Jesus and, and they love God, because the thing is, is when you go and talk to them, you're probably going to find out they've had those same moments in their life. And somebody helped them work through it. Somebody helped them get to the other side of that. Because, you know, life is full of storms. It doesn't always go easy. You guys notice? I mean, even when you're doing everything you know to do right, problems still come. Sometimes there's a struggle we weren't expecting. And if we're not ready, if we're not, if we're not at that place, it could knock us down. But what I believe God is showing us here is that Jesus cares about us even in those moments. And he wants to come alongside and he wants to help you through. Now, he might use people. He might just witness to your spirit on the inside, or most likely he's going to lead you back to his word where the truth is found. Amen? So with that, with that in mind, I'm just kind of setting you up for where we're going. And for this story to really make the impact I wanted to, we've got to kind of set it up. Now here we are, we're talking about the crucifixion, but just a week before that, Jesus made his triumphant entry into into the city, and as he's coming in, everybody is yelling and cheering and, you know, screaming and, and praising him, Hosanna in the highest, and they're literally taking off their coats, and they're laying them on the ground in the dirt, and they're, they're laying down palm fronds and stuff, so he can walk out. They're, they're letting the world know that here comes our royalty, here comes our king of kings and our lord of lords, amen? So it's a huge celebration. Things are going great, but then... Five days later, he's arrested. He's taken in, he's beaten, he's tortured, he's convicted, and he's sentenced to death. And we have Friday, which we call Good Friday, but it was anything but that for Jesus. As he's hanging on the cross, and all of the believers who were there the day he came into town and they were yelling and screaming, yeah, this is him, this is our guy. This is the guy that's going to cause us to be victorious. It's going gonna, it's gonna to lead a, a victorious army against the Roman Empire. We're going to shake off the shackles of these oppressors. 
and he's going to restore us to who we are, the, the chosen children of God. This is the one that's going to do it. And now here is Friday, and the one that they put their hopes in, the one they've been following, the one they've been declaring is dying on the cross. And it rocks them. It rocks them hard. And he's not just dying. He's dying a gruesome, horrible, probably the worst they've ever seen. Because the way that the Bible describes it, he was marred beyond human form. He was beaten so bad and, and so bloody that you would look at him and it would just turn your stomach. And they're looking at him and they're thinking, he's our God. He's the one that we put all of our hope in. And now he's dying. He's dying the death of a criminal, not the death of a king. And because they were, and we can too, be so quick to, to, to focus on what's happening, we for, can forget what we believe. And if we allow ourselves to just focus on what's happening in front of us, and we distance ourselves from what we believe in our heart, a very negative thing happens. We find ourselves without hope. And when you're without hope, you're hopeless. And nothing really powerful can happen in the life of someone who's just absolutely hopeless. There's a lot of people in our world, especially since this pandemic, that are hopeless. A lot of people that, that had lives they liked a lot better, but through this pandemic, I'm not talking about any one thing, I'm talking about everything. Now at the other side of it, things have broken down, things aren't working, relationships are fractured, jobs are gone, homes are going to have to be abandoned soon because of the, the law changing for the um, foreclosures and uh, you know the people who rent. And they're finding themselves shaken to the core. Now, what I want us to do is I want us to take a look at these disciples who followed him for three and a half years. They were with him. They believed in him. They cheered him on. They literally put their lives at risk by picking his side. You ever, you, ever, you know, you ever be in a, have you ever been in a situation, you ever be, <laughs> my mom's coming out. Anyway, have you ever been in a situation where you've got to choose a side? And sometimes you choose the right side and it comes out and you're like, yes. But sometimes you choose the wrong side and the results are not at all what you had hoped for. Well, these disciples are now thinking and, and they're dealing with the, the thought that our king of kings has now been horribly killed and dying such a terrible death. If he really had the power we thought he had, wouldn't he have just come down off of that cross and taken care of business? And they're dealing with all of these thoughts that are coming in, which, you know, we kind of do too. And now here they are. Jesus has been crucified. Three days later, they, he's laying in a tomb that was donated to him, that was loaned to him, Billy, really, by Joseph of Arimathea. Friday night, they're shaken to the core. They're worried about, you know, you ever heard this statement of, you know, they're waiting on the other shoe to drop? Because they know if they could arrest Jesus and take him, that they could easily arrest them and take them for what they did. So the Bible tells us they're actually hiding in an upper room. The doors are locked, and they're afraid. 
This goes on all through Friday. It happens all day Saturday. They're hiding. But then on Sunday, this group of women, which, you know, it's, a lot of times that's the case. These group of women say, listen, it may be dangerous, but I owe him. And they decide they're going to go and prepare his body. They're going to do all the steps for, for, for what they believe to prepare his body for the tomb. And they leave. They go out. They unlock the door, and they go out. I'm reminded of a funny story. Um, Jared and Shannon, my son Jared and his wife Shannon bought a, um, or they didn't buy it. They were renting a place down in Boynton. It was like seven acres. It was in the woods, uh, very dark out there. And what you have to know about Shannon is she's about this tall, but she's a firecracker. I mean, you know, there's not much that scares her. I've seen her grow up to horses that are like this and grab their reins and hold them and make them. I mean, she's, she can be tough. That's probably why she can keep Jared in line. But anyway, <laughs> um, they were there, and they heard this really big noise. It woke him up, and Jared's like, uh, oh, my gosh. And he walks, and he walks over to the window, and as he's peeking out just to see what it is, he goes, babe, there's something. He hears the front door open and shut. And at that moment, he realizes, dang it. I'm either going to have to go out there, which I'm afraid and I don't want to, <laughs> or I'm going to stay in here and be a chicken, you know. I don't know which he did. I do know, but I'm not going to tell him. Anyway, um, but she just marched out into the darkness to deal with what was ever, whatever was there. You know, a lot of times we think of women, especially in the horror movies and stuff, when something happens, they scream and run away. Women are rock stars, man. They're brave. These women did that. The guys are in the room afraid. The women said, hey, there's work to be done. Unlock that door. And they went. They went to the grave. They found the, tomb had been rolled, or the stone had been rolled away. The tomb was empty. And they're wondering, Where, where's the body? What happened? Where is he? They actually see angels. And the angels talk to them. And they say, why, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. They go back to the guys who are still locked in the room. And they say, listen, he's risen. He's up. He's alive. He, you know, because he had just told them that not too long before, that this is what's going to happen. I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to have to be killed. I'm going to rise again in three. He'd already told them everything had just happened. But they're so focused on what they saw. They don't remember what they believed. They saw him die a terrible death. To them, death was the end. It's over. Our side lost. What are we going to do? Now, Sunday afternoon comes along. They start dispersing. The Bible tells us that two of them decide to take a little road trip because they're done. They're tired of being afraid, and they're going to go back home to this little podunk town. I mean, it is so little that nothing really of notice ever happened there. Matter of fact, historians aren't even sure where it was. They just knew that town was there, but it was not really of any consequence, and it was a town or a village called Emmaus. And as they're going on this road, and they're, and they're walking along, they're talking, and the Bible says that they're, they're broken, they're down. I mean, they're their face is downcast, and they're walking, and all of their dreams are dashed. All of their hope is crushed, and they're walking this, this trip. It's seven miles. It's about two hours, so they leave in the afternoon, so they're home by evening because it's not safe to travel at night. So they're walking, and they're talking, 
And then we're going to pick it up here in Luke 24. And we're going to see what happens. You guys with me? Set the stage okay for you? Luke 24, verse 13 says this. And we're going to read quite a bit, but here's what I want you to do. You know, it, it, it's now proven that our mind is triggered for thought from words. But when there's a word that impacts us, we see an image in our mind. So what I want you to do is I want you to try to picture in your mind what's happening in this story. And it, it will make a whole lot more sense to you. You with me? Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, I love this, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. It's Jesus, but by the divine power of God, they weren't able to recognize that it was Jesus. Kind of like Superman puts on a pair of glasses and nobody can tell it's him. This is different. This is God actually making it happen. So they're walking along, and here comes Jesus just walking up behind them, you know, just being cool and just kind of gets in stride with them. And look what he does. They don't recognize it's him. Verse 17, and he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? This stopped them in their tracks. They were literally so taken back by him asking that question that they stopped. And they're like, for real? I mean, that's practically what they say. Their faces downcast. Verse 18, one of them named Cleopas. Cleopas. So glad my mom didn't name me that. I'm not, if you're named Cleopas, I'm not coming against you. I'm just glad it's not my name. Cleopas. What's up, Cleopas? Anyway, ask him, are you, the only one, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? In other words, have you been living under a rock, dude? This is big news. This, this shook the world. How can you not know what happened? What thing? <laughs> Jesus. What things? What do you mean, what thing? I mean, you know, these guys are beside themselves. What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Here's what I want you to catch. Verse 21, it says, but we had hope. We had, it's past tense. They had hoped, but if it's past tense, it means they're not hoping anymore. They've lost their hope. They're now walking away from a life they thought they were going to live, overcoming all the obstacles that were holding them down and, and walk and fulfill the plan that God said he had in his word for them over and over again throughout the prophets. We had hoped, which is really saying we ain't hoping anymore. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to, to, to redeem Israel. And what is more it is the third day since all this took place. I remember Jesus said, I have to go through this, and then in three days I will rise. They didn't even wait the full three days. This is the third day. But they gave up. Ah, it's not going to work. This stuff doesn't work. I prayed and God didn't show up. I asked Jesus to help me. He didn't help me. 
and they're walking away. They had hoped, but they don't hope anymore. Some of the women amazed us, verse 22. They went to the tomb early that morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. If you look in other scriptures, you find out that it says that, that the, the men, when they came back to tell them everything that had actually happened, says the men looked at it as foolishness. They were so caught up in what they had seen, they completely lost track of what they'd been taught. And see, what happens is when you allow yourself to get to a hopeless state, when you, when you get to a place where you had hoped, but you're not hoping anymore, you don't see the good anymore. You don't look for what God's going to do. You look for what he didn't do. And guess what? You always find what you look for. And it's a, it's a trap. It's, it's a deception to get you to pull away from the thing that God has shown you on the inside and to get you to believe what you're seeing on the outside. And it is a trap that the devil uses to pull us away from the resource of being a true child of God with authority and power that comes from God on, God's throne on high. We have this, but it only benefits us when we focus on it, not when we refuse to focus on it. And what, what's showing us here is that these guys are in a pretty desperate state as far as their whole lives were, were counting on Jesus to be the one. And now they're back under oppression. They're back under the rule of Rome. They're back being servants to whoever has power over them. They're literally just broken. They didn't believe that the angels came. They didn't believe that Jesus was raised. So verse 25, he said to them, and I love this, how foolish you are. If you look at the tense and the mood, when you, when you do Bible interpretation, there's a way to study the tense and the mood of what is being spoken so that you understand the stress that's being made by this statement. And when he says, how foolish you are, it's pretty direct. It's pretty in their face. It's like, come on, guys. Are you serious? How foolish you are. Look at this. And how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Now, these were disciples of Jesus, but they knew what the prophets had said. They knew the Old Testament. That was part of their life. They had to study and know it and memorize it. They knew what the prophets had said, but they lost track of it because of what they could see. And I'm trying to show you that we cannot let what we see deter us from what we believe. Amen? You guys with me? 26, this is Jesus speaking. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things. He'd already told him that just a few days before. And then enter his glory. And he said, and, and look what happens. And, and this is the aha moment for them. This is like when somebody explains something to you where you could understand it and suddenly you could see it perfectly from that moment on. Oh, I got it. I got it. Okay, I see it now. And it changes who you are. It changes the decisions you make. It's aha, I, I see it. And it says that Jesus went to the beginning with Moses and went through all the prophets. He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I don't know about you, but I like Bible studies. It's one Bible study I would love to have been at, where Jesus himself is teaching me everything the Old Testament says about who he is and who he's going to be. That, that would be one cool Bible study, and that's what's happening here. 
And, and in seeing this, and you see that they're, they're broken down, they're, they're, their hopes are dashed. You can see that they're, they're struggling with their belief in Jesus, and they're struggling with, with what, what's real to them now. And I think it's so cool. And I believe that this is in the Bible for us because they only give us one of the disciples' names. There's nothing else said about him anywhere else. Emmaus is some little town that has no consequence, but yet the God of creation shows up and walks along the road with them while they're struggling with life, while they're going through a situation that's really rocked their world. He shows up. And I want you to notice, I believe that this is there for us to be encouraged that God cares about every single one of us, whether we're big and well-known or maybe we're, we're not that big a deal. God thinks you are. And God wants you to know that his word is for you just like anybody else. And if you'll open up and, and, and let him in, he will, he will take you back to his word. Now, here he is. They're, they're, they're dealing with this and they're struggling and, and they're walking along. And this stranger comes up to him and he asks what they, they consider to be really a stupid question. You could tell, like, are you the only one? But he asks it in a way where it continues the conversation. They continue to go. And, and, and they're, they're walking and they know everything that's happened. And they even go back and tell Jesus about everything that happened for the last 72 hours. So they're reliving the problem. They're reliving the, the, the thing that's rocked their world. Every time you talk about something, you give it power in your life. Hear me when I say that. Every time you talk about something, you're giving it power, whether good or bad. That's why the Bible tells us to speak to our mountains and not talk to them. Amen? We're to speak to that problem. We're to speak with the authority as a child of God to that problem, according to Scripture, and say, in Jesus' name, be plucked up and cast into the sea. Get out of my life. Get out of my way. We don't go out and say, man, that's a big mountain. I think that mountain grew since last night. I don't know how I'm going to get over that mountain. That mountain, that's a big mountain. We're giving power to it. The bigger our mountain gets, the smaller we get. But the bigger our God is, there ain't no mountain can hold him back. I'm telling you, that's exactly what's happening. They're reliving the problem. Strangers answer them really in an unfriendly way. He says, foolish, which what does that mean? It means that you, you lack understanding. You have no perception of what's, what's really going on. How foolish are you? And then he even talks about how they, they're not believing. I believe that God wants us to see and why he puts this, this story of people that he doesn't even mention their name in a town that's hardly mentioned in the Bible to see that there's going to be struggles in life. There's going to be times where everything we believe is going to be tested. It just is. God doesn't bring it. We live in a fallen world. There is an enemy to our faith, and he brings the fight. But we prepare ourselves by standing in what the Word says. Let's go on. I'll show you what I'm talking about. In verse 28, it says, And they approached the village to which they were going. Jesus continued as if he were going further. Now, this, is, this to me is just... So cool, and it is a perfect picture of Jesus. Here they're walking along, and here's the off-ramp. You know, okay, we're going over here to Emmaus. And Jesus is like, later, dudes. And they're so moved by what he's been sharing. See, something happens when you spend time with Jesus, right? 
something happened so much that they say, whoa, 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 where are you going? Where are you going, man? They say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just heading on. No, 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 come, it's late. You don't, look what they say. You don't want to travel late. Come to our house, have dinner, stay there. Twenty-nine. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now, here's what I want you to get from this, is that Jesus is right there with you. He's walking with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But he's also not going to force his way in. You can stay in the mully grubs if you want. You can stay in everything that's wrong if you want. Or you can invite him in. He gave them a taste of what was available as he shared with them everything the prophets had said. Basically, he gave them a Bible study while they're walking. That's what it says. And as he's sharing with them, it stirred their faith. Why? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. You spend time in God's word, it's going to build your faith. Their faith was built to the point where they said, whoa, 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 where, wait, hey, don't leave. We want more of this. It's that fire going on the inside and that same fire that made them stand up against authorities, made them risk everything, walk away from what they knew to follow this man who, to, to believe that he was the son of God and to put everything in that basket. They said, no, we're with you. Then he died to death. They were rocked. They were falling back. But now as they've spent time in the word of God, they're stirred up and they said, wait, 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 wait. I want some more of this. Don't leave. Come, come, in, come into our house. And that's what happens, right? You with me? And, and, and here's what I want you to see is they were able to get their eyes off of what had happened and they were getting their eyes back on what the word said about who Jesus was because he ministered to them everything the Bible says about him. They didn't know it was him. They didn't realize he was the one doing it, but they knew they were hearing what the Bible says, what the word says, what the prophets had said about him and it was stirring their faith. It was encouraging them. It was, it was bringing them back to that moment where they were ready. It was kind of like, let what you see blind what you believe. Peter walked on water. Nobody had ever done that. But when he started looking around and seeing things that were contrary to what he believed, he sank. Of course, he cried out. Jesus was there, lifted him up. And he and Jesus walked back to the boat right? They, he walked again on the water. He wasn't a failure. Jesus didn't say, ah, go ahead and sink, you big, you big, lousy unbeliever. No, he reached out and grabbed him. He brought him up. Jesus didn't, as they're walking along and they're downcast and they're hopeless and they're struggling with what happened, he didn't say, I'm out of here, losers. No, he stayed with them. He stayed with them. If you're struggling, he'll stay with you. If you're going through a tough time, he'll stay with you. But what he requires is for you to invite him in. Peter had to call out to him before he reached out. The, um, Cleopas and probably his wife, to be honest with you, I don't know who it is, they live in the same house. But he had to invite him in before, he didn't just come and say, all right, I'm here, let me in. We have to open our lives and let him in. We have to, even in the, in the worst struggle you're going through, that's the time to open the door and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, come into my life right now. I need you now more than ever. I need you now. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. All I know is I need you. And he'll come in. He'll show up. Look at this. They urged him stronger, stay with us. For his, you know, I just read that, verse 30. When he was at the table with them, they came in. Now, this is a curveball, guys. You have to understand the culture of the day. They come in, and they sit down at the table. Now, when you invite someone into your home in this culture, 
the responsibility is on you to serve them. It's on you to speak the blessing over them and the food. It's never on the, the guest. It's always the responsibility of the host. Now, I want you to see what happens here. Are you with me? When he was, was at the table with them, he took He, they didn't take the bread. He took the bread. He took bread. He gave thanks. He's the one that spoke the blessing. Jesus comes in, he sits down, and, and, he, and he slips into this role that they're familiar with him. And he's already reminded them of everything the scripture says, who he is, and, and, and what the word says about him. And now he's about to blow their minds. He sits down, he grabs the bread, he breaks the bread, look at this. Gave thanks, broke it, began to give it to them. Verse 31, then their eyes were open and they recognized him. You ever see the hypnotist, the hypnotized people, and they go, okay, on the count of three, you're going to get up, one, two, three. It was kind of like that where at that moment, Jesus had done what they needed him to do, and we'll see in a minute how we know that. He had done what he needed them to do, and he broke the bread, which is what he had done just 72 hours before when he was having the Last Supper. He was having his Seder dinner with them, the Passover meal. He's sitting there, and he's telling them what's about to happen. He broke the bread, letting them know who he truly was, and gave it to them before he went and was arrested and, and crucified and all that. And here he is, right back to the moment where he is, Jesus, God in the flesh, sitting at the table with him. He breaks the bread, their eyes are open, and they realize they've been walking with Jesus the whole time. Now, I want you to see a couple things here. You may be going through a storm, but you're not going alone. Jesus will come up. You can feel alone. You can feel down. You can feel like the whole world's against you. They had the weight of the world on their shoulders, and they're, they're down, and they're downcast, but Jesus walked up. And what did he use? Why didn't he come up and say, yo, boys, it's me? Why didn't he show himself where they would know it was him? I'll tell you why. I believe. It doesn't say it in Scripture, but I don't think I'm twisting Scripture to deduce this from what's been written. I think he wants to show us that any time and every time we're facing a challenge, our answer is in the Word. But you know what? He wasn't going to always be able to come and walk with every person that had a problem. Every person was going through a challenge of their faith. He's not able because he's seated at the right hand of the Father. His job here is done. So what he wanted to do is this like last thing he's going to show us is, guys, don't look for me to show up and walk with you. Look for me in the Word. Look for me in the Word. And when you see me in the Word, you'll get everything you need to be victorious and get over what that, whatever the challenge it is you're facing. Hope you guys are getting this. This is a lot better than you guys are responding. So... How pitiful is that to say something? <laughs> Cheer for me. No, it's not me, it's the word. But look what's happening here. He's showing up, but he's showing them, listen, don't always look for a sign because you're not supposed to live by sight. We're supposed to live by faith. Isn't that what the Bible says? We live by faith and not by sight. So he's saying, don't look to see me in the flesh. Look in the word that never changes. Because the Bible says, in the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word took on flesh and dwelt among us. That, your Bible is just as real as Jesus walking on the street next to you. Matter of fact, it's better. It's better. That's why he brought us back to that, because every one of us can have that Bible. Not every one of us can have him in the flesh. And we're all going to have struggles. We're all going to have problems. But who do we get our hope from? 
the one who never changes, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The word of God will never change, not a dot or a whatever the other thing's called. It's not going to change. Heaven and earth could pass away, and it's going to stay the same. What he's saying is, let this be your rock. Let the word be your rock so when the storm comes, you know exactly where to go. You don't have to get to the point of losing your hope. You don't have to get to the point of being disheartened hardened, hearted, and, and, and broken. You can actually immediately, as soon as, the, as soon as you see the clouds starting to form, go to the Word. Call somebody who knows the Word. Say, hey, pray with me. I, I think something's about to happen. I need you to pray. The Bible doesn't say that storms won't come. It says if you build your house on the rock, when they go, and they will go, you'll still be standing. Now, that was a good for Yeah, woo, amen. Come on now, wake up. We got Bible reading to do. Okay, so listen to what happens. Their eyes were open. They recognized him. He disappeared that very second. To me, I just think that's so cool. That's just like a God personality thing. Watch this. Here. Breaks the bread. It's me. Poof, he's gone. This whole time I've been with you, this whole time you've had what you need, and I led you to it by sharing the word. Now I'm going to leave you with the word. Boom, he's gone. Why? Because we're equipped to be successful. We're equipped to be victorious in life. The Bible says we're to reign in life as kings. You can only do that with the power of God on your side. You can't do that being bummed out, lack of hope, feeling like God forgot you and left you out. No, you can only do that when you recognize I'm a child of God. He shows up with me whenever I call. He'll, he'll deliver me from my distress, the Bible says. He's got me when nobody else does. He's got me. That's what this is telling us. I told you, Mark. No, I'm just kidding. Listen to this. He disappeared, 33. Then they looked at each other. Were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with, while he talked with us on the road? And listen, opened the scriptures to us. Your answer's in the word. Your answer's right there, and it will come alive if you just invite it into your life. If you just open up to it, the scriptures will come alive. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Now remember, it's dark, and they just said it's almost evening, you shouldn't travel at night. But this is so important to them. This is so life-changing. This is so exhilarating and encouraging to them. They jump up immediately, and they head back the seven-mile journey in the dark to go back to the 11, the, the um, original disciples. Uh, let's see where I'm at. Verse 33. They got up, returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together. They knew right where to go. They were still hiding out, but they knew where to go. These guys were the ones who walked with Jesus. And let me tell you something. If you walk with Jesus... Don't beat yourself up if you end up struggling sometimes. Just reach out to somebody to help you. Don't do it alone. We're not supposed to live life alone, and we're not, certainly not supposed to struggle alone. The Bible says where one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. In Matthew 18, 19, he says, if any two, that's more than one, if any two of you will agree on anything, it will be done for you by your Father which is in heaven. We don't do this alone. We're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to do it together. We're meant to have people in our lives that build us up and, and encourage us and point us back to the word, not away from it. Amen? You with me? Went back, found them that were assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. 
Then the, then, the two, then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus, had recon, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And what I want you to see is here, is that there's so much information here, and I, I just don't have time to go to some of the other stuff that's really cool. We'll do it in another series. But their eyes being open, that's a very powerful statement in the Bible. If you remember in Genesis, um, Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it talks about Adam and Eve when they submitted to the, the serpent who was the devil in the form of a serpent. When they submitted to him and they rebelled against God and they ate of the fruit that they were told not to, the Bible says their eyes were opened. Now we just read another account where these two disciples are sitting there after Jesus had shared the word with them, their eyes were opened. And I want you to see this. The devil will always try to open your eyes to your shame to what's wrong with you, to where you don't measure up. It's okay. It's okay, guys. They're helping him. Father, we just thank you for everything that's going on. Amen. Glory. Augie, is he okay? Okay. Amen. He's got a victory. He's got a victory. The devil wanted to kill him. He's here in church. Those of you who don't know, great testimony. Great testimony. And, and he just slipped out of his chair. It's not like, you know, I mean, the devil's losing this fight. We're standing with him. Amen. So what I want you to see is the devil's always going to try to remind you why God might be mad at you or why God's not there for you. You need to take that and you need to let your eyes be open to what the word says about Jesus and how he's always there. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. You may be 100 miles away from him, but he's one step back to you because he's right next to you. He's right there. Let your eyes be open to who you are in Christ, not to the shame of your mistakes because the Bible says very clearly that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? So where does our hope come from? Our hope comes from Jesus Christ the one crucified, who rose again. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, I want to read it to you. This is in the Tree of Life version. It says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. You have to always let this be your governor, not these, because this can deceive you. You don't believe me? Check out movies that have dinosaurs walking alive and tearing up buildings. It doesn't really happen, guys. People don't really fly. They're not really bulletproof. That's all make-believe. But the devil can use those type deceptions too to get our focus off of what God says and who Jesus is and get us to look at the problem and what's wrong with us. What God is saying is always, always come back to the word. Always come back to my word because it will never change. It will always be there and it will always be the same. Amen. Here's the last scripture I'm closing. 1 Peter 1.3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. Thank you so much. He has given us new birth into a living hope not a dying hope, not a dead hope, but a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Easter is a powerful day. Through his resurrection, we now have a living hope. That's 1 Peter 1, 3 for your notes. Hope is not found in a place. Hope is found in a person. That person is Jesus Christ. But you have to keep your eyes on him and you have to open your life up to him for it to benefit you in the way that he wants it to. Amen? You guys get anything out of this today? All right. This is so powerful.
Don't just listen today. I mean, go back, listen to it again, write down notes, write down what God is speaking to you. Let it come alive on the inside of you because there's a, there's a storm on the horizon for all of us. They come. It's much better when you're ready. How many of you ever found that out through one of the hurricanes? It's always better when you're ready. So let's be ready for whatever storm the enemy has. Let's be founded on the rock of Jesus Christ. Let's make sure that we always keep what we believe first and foremost, and we're not deceived by what we see. Amen? And as we do that, we're going to live a victorious life, and we're going to be a light for people around us to say, I need what you got. I can see something with you. I need that. I need that for my family. I need that in my life. And God will use it to draw them to himself. Amen? Guys, bow your heads and close your eyes for me, if you would. I just thank you, Father, for your word today. I thank you that it's ever-changing. To, to not, it's not ever-changing. We are ever-changing with the revelation that it provides, Father, that we are literally going from glory to glory and being transformed into your exact image as we grow in the word and become who you've created us to be and we live the life that you've provided for us. I thank you that every person that hears my voice has an opportunity to accept and to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, or if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to use, the Bible they use the word beseech. Nowadays it'd be I'm begging you to consider Jesus Christ. I'm begging you to receive him. It's a gift of love the Father sent so that you don't have to be lost and alone. It's a choice, just like the two disciples had to invite them into his house. He could have kept walking, but when they opened the door for him to come in, he came in and he showed them and he revealed himself to them. If you open your life up, he'll come in and he'll reveal himself to you. So I want to encourage you, if you're here today, I'm going to look around the room and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, but something you heard today made you think, you know what, I need this. I need that, that power, that 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 assurance that Pastor Mike was talking about, that comes through salvation. Salvation comes by you opening your life up and allowing Jesus to come in. So if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, but you'd like to, as I look around the room, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you say anything. This is not the moment for that. I just want to know who I'm praying for. I just want to know who it is that's made the decision so I can pray for you throughout this week. And believe God to move in your life in a powerful way as you start this journey, this road trip with Jesus, if you will. Anybody? I'm looking around. Anybody here? You say, you know what? That's me, preacher. I need what, you, what you're talking about. I need to allow Jesus into my life. I've been to church. I, I've thought about it, but I've never actually done it. And I want to do that today. Anyone? Looking, looking, looking. Okay, we're all saved at wannabe. That's awesome. So, for the sake of those who are here, I just want to say a blessing over you. Father, we thank you that your word is true. It is a foundation that we can build our lives on. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you will show up. You will come in as we invite you, and you are the difference maker. We ask, we believe we receive everything that you have for us. Thank you for the promises, and thank you for your word that we have and that we can take, and we can keep, keep close to us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Praise God. At this time, what I'd like to do is end the service with a... This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. 
To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.